Good morning. What interesting times we're in, for sure. <clears throat> My name is Corey Schleep, and many of you know me as the Executive Director for Christ First Counseling Center and running the ministry in the back corner there. We currently have eight locations, and in 2019 we had approximately 18,000 sessions that we were able to provide across a service radius about 335 miles, which is pretty phenomenal. And I feel like I say this a lot, and then COVID, right? Many of you probably have experienced that, but I tell you, our numbers right now where we're at with service, we've had a lot of staff changes just with health issues and many different transitions of life. We have fewer clinicians now. We still have, I think, approximately 20. And with the interns coming in, it's always interesting, but I think we have eight clinical interns right now, one from Emporia State, and continue to partner across the region to provide really compassionate hope and healing for all people. And I tell you, our numbers right now, we're above where we were last year at this time, despite being online for a lot of our telehealth services, despite all the staff changes. Some of that is because of the increased need. Obviously, there's a lot of fears that rise to the surface. But I tell you, God still reveals how awesome he is how awesome he is, how much he's here, how much he's blessing 12th Avenue, how much he's blessing Emporia and this area. When, Darren, when Garen got a hold of me and asked me if I would preach today, of course, I said, yes, it's hard to tell Garen no. And so he said, but I want you to come and preach on fear. I think we need to hear about fear I'm like, well, I don't know anything about fear. I never experienced that. So <laughs> I think each and every one of us experience some form of fear or another. We're going to talk about that today. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. Scripture this morning is in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. His word says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. A windstorm arose on the sea, so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a dead calm. They were amazed, saying, what sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? You may be seated. Thank you. I do believe that fear is very real. I don't think that people of faith are without fear. I think we strive to be people of little or no fear. I think the critical piece is how we respond to the fear. 
The critical piece is the, how we respond to it. In our growth and transformation process, we grow in how we respond to that fear. On a positive side, physiologically, fear can evoke in us a natural internal response to meet the challenges of the environment around us based in reality, very real stressors in our world, very real stressors. And we don't want to be ignorant to the stressors around us. We want to respond to them appropriately. So fear can create in us an increased dependence upon him. If we're listening for him, he'll draw us closer and guide us through those times of fear. However, negatively, fear has a tendency to make it all about us. It's like the more that we become fearful, the more that our brains become dependent on our own abilities to see our way through. Maybe that's just me. I don't think so. I think as a natural human component, we have a thought process that says, if I am fearful, I need to work harder, longer, more intelligently. I need to figure out an answer to work through this fear and I can overcome it. I don't agree with that, but I think that's a natural tendency for us. When it becomes all about us, for fear is real. The problem is when fear isn't just a response to a given situation, but it becomes a mindset. When fear becomes a mindset, then everything we perceive in the world around us becomes based on our perception of our ability to deal with it. Hear me. When fear becomes a mindset, it changes the way we see and interpret and respond to the world around us. And we become more apt to look at ourselves and our ability to handle it. Going to West Asia sounds a little scary to me, right? Especially now with travel and all the different things going on. And this young lady is standing in front of us very confidently, right? Because of a calling that she has to go and to be who Christ called her to be, which is really cool. And that fear draws you closer. Correct? I'm betting that. Right? And I tell you, that focus and dependence will lead you and allow you to see things in him and learn about him through those challenges that you're going to face. I wish the journey was much easier, but you learn a lot, I know, and I look forward to hearing when you return about what you did learn. There's a lot of kinds of different fears in our world. The big ones that I hear a lot about in my practice, fear of failure. Fear of failure. That one is difficult because the more our mindset becomes fearful, the more we try to take on and think that we have to respond to it. And the more that we begin to realize how limited our ability to manage life really is without him. Which creates more and more fear. Fear of losing control. Fear of making the wrong decision. Fear of losing one's job and illness. 
fear of a vice or addiction that can no longer be resisted and has become in, that we become enslaved to. Fear of disgrace. Fear of another person. Fear of dying or just a few. During these very interesting times, the fears are numerous, to say the least. The political unrest and uncertainty, high levels of disunity inside and outside of the church, and other outright difficulties with our finances, our families, kids going to college expecting to be in person and having to be online, um, professors having to be online, and all the challenges that there, there is around that. The core of our functional identity, as Nowen talks about, is what we have, what we do, and what other people say about us. What we do, what we have, and what other people say about us. And what's fascinating is that since March, every one of those areas has been hammered pretty hard. The things that we have have been put at jeopardy. What we do has almost been pushed pause on. And what other people say about us has intensified with the online presence and without the relational in-person connection. But it has led to a lot of people searching for really more of what their ontological identity really is. That identity that they were created to live out. And I love that he doesn't waste anything. That he'll even use this sort of a crisis of identity for us, functionally, to draw us to discover more of the ontological. Who he created us to be. And the only way we get there is to be able to understand more about who he is. During this last several months, it's forced an introspection within me of just looking, and my mind tries to read, tries to understand, and tries to grapple with solutions. And I think that, unfortunately, I have a most, like most people, I think a very short memory historically speaking, and we start to think, this is the worst travesty ever in our, the history of our civilization. This is the worst political unrest. This is the worst. And then our minds start to adopt that mindset. So I started reviewing some historical events just to think through, God, where were you in these other situations? Where were you? And I came across a number of difficult situations, traumatic, tragic situations through our history, both nationally and internationally. And I was reminded about just a great man in Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Many of you may have read his work, have heard of him, a German pastor, teacher, writer, activist, phenomenal. Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived from 1906 to 1945. Those were some really calm times internationally, right? 
really calm, cool waters. Very trying times. He grew up in a pretty peaceful home in a passive mindset. And as Dietrich Bonhoeffer was growing, graduated from college, spent some time in a couple other countries, including America, teaching, preaching, leading, shepherding, with all the stuff going on in Germany, he said he had to go back to Germany because how could he lead his people through the tragedy of the post-Hitler um, regime and all of that if he wasn't a part of the process? So he returned to Germany. I don't know if I would have had the courage to do that like he did. I wish that I would, but darn, that's huge. I bet you there were some fears there. Is that really what you're calling me to, God, to go back to the middle of this? He became a, a German secret agent, part of their secret um, forces, traveling around, and actually served as a double agent. And it's fascinating to know that because he was a double agent and working through a lot, he actually began rescuing and helping to free Jewish people. And not only did he work to free Jewish people, but he also was a part of planning and plotting for overthrowing and eventually killing Hitler, which isn't talked about a lot. He didn't actually actively take part in that eventually, but he was a part of the planning of that, which is interesting to me. Interesting times when in 1933, he talked about the fears of his church and the underground church that he was shepherding and trying to find his way and to find his role of leading the people. As he was leading, it was found out that he was helping the Jewish folks, that he was running these, an underground seminary going actively against Hitler and a Mercedes Benz pulled up to his house. A couple, probably several men got out and took him away. He spent two years in prison and after the two years of being in prison, he was transferred to basically a concentration camp and then to a more of a termination camp. And through his time, he never stopped preaching, teaching, and shepherding people, despite fear or anything else. Never did. And in the midst of all of those storms that he must have gone through leading folks. It wasn't until 1945, April 9th, that Dietrich Bonhoeffer met his demise when he, along with six other residents of the, of the termination camp, were taken, tried, convicted, and their lives were terminated. A month 
I believe it was approximately a month before Germany surrendered. It just baffles my mind how all of that came around in the timeline. But I want to hear you hear, allow you to hear some words that he shared during that time. He said this of fear. Fear crouches in people's hearts. It hollows out their insides until their resistance and strength are spent and they suddenly break down. Fear secretly gnaws and eats away at all the ties that binds a person to God and to others. And when in a time of need, that person reaches out for those ties and clings to them. They break and the individual sinks back in to himself or herself, helpless, despairing, while hell rejoices. While hell rejoices. Does that sound like a parallel to where we're at? Does that sound like a parallel for what some of us have experienced during this time? I believe so. I believe there's a lot of parallels for what he spoke about during that very troubling time and now. Another great thinker, Dallas Willard, says, fear is the anticipation of evil. Fear is the anticipation of evil. He said, once our focus is turned away from the Father, fear can and will increase our helplessness, hopelessness, and can quickly take root in, the li- in our lives. And I believe it creates a ground war within our life that moves swiftly to overtake every aspect of our lives. Let's venture back to the scripture briefly here. It says, just in context, where did he just come from before they got on the boat? He had just been come down off the mountainside. He had healed a man of leprosy. He had healed the Cantarian man, his son, healed his son that he'd never even met. Healed Peter's mother-in-law, insert joke here. (laughs) The idea of what transpired there, all of the healing that everybody was witness to was pretty incredible. And the floodgates opened. And as Jesus watched the crowds increase, it must have been overwhelming, tiring, everything else that he had been through. And he said, let's go and let's go across the lake to the other side. After a little bit of deep conversation with the disciples, wanting them to go bury their dead and several other things that they wanted to take care of. They agreed to go with him. They agreed. It's interesting that they had just witnessed all of these miracles, all of these things that he had just been doing close up and personal. 
They get on the boat. They start doing the work to get to the other side. Where does Jesus go? He goes to sleep. Fear has a hard time resting. Fear has a hard time resting. When it takes root in us, it's very hard to rest. I'm probably not telling you anything that you don't know about fear. When that anxiety hits in your mind, races at night, your heart picks up a beat or two and becomes hard to slow down and you have a hard time getting good rest. But Jesus was sleeping well at peace. Then a serious storm hits. These were experienced men. A small storm wouldn't have created anxiety or fear in them. But this one did. They went to him. And that fear took over the boat. When fear takes root and takes over, our brains start to become even more narrowly focused like we talked about on us, our abilities and limitations thereof. Our bodies can almost start seizing up. I can imagine them trying to get to the other side and use all their muscles and have that fear overwhelm them and not be able to move. Fear can be paralyzing. So they went and they cried out for him to save them. They expressed their fears to him. When he woke up, he confronted their lack of faith and their focus upon the fear. He confronted them. But he didn't stop there. He rebuked the winds and the waves, and calmness was restored, and fear was defeated. Their overwhelming helplessness and hopelessness and despair was defeated, and once again, they and we are reminded that our only true hope is the one that casts out fear, is in the one that casts out all fear. We can only imagine ourselves on that boat and picturing ourselves there in the middle of all that we're going through right now and to think, Wake up, Jesus. Where are you? Do you still work in miraculous ways? Are you going to show up and defeat the evil of fear in our country and in our world right now? Where are you? Where are you? Are you resting while we perish? Many have asked that question. And I think that he is still right here, right here with us. Although the songs are amazing that we sang this morning about fear, they're a whole lot easier to sing than to live out of. Again, maybe that's just me and it's not hard for you, but sometimes it's easier to sing than we're no longer slaves to fear because we're a child of God. Sometimes it's easier to sing that but he wants us to live from that place. He doesn't want us to simply identify fear and try to overcome it ourselves. He wants us 
to draw close to him and allow him to overcome fear. The little lie in fear, it's interesting, let's try to focus on fear. Fear will try to whisper in your ear to say, here, you just need to find a better solution. You just need more money. You just need more business. You just need things to calm down around you, and this fear will depart. And that's a lie. If we wait for our circumstances to be calm before we truly embrace the one who casts out fear, then our lives will be lacking. Lacking the ability to see his joy in the midst, even of the storm. Even of the storm. And I know that we all know that, that Christ is in the boat. And we knew that. We, just like the disciples, we know that Christ is with us. And wherever he is, he's going to act. Wherever he is, he's going to act. We know this but we're all susceptible to be overwhelmed by the storms. So let us be reminded of the truth. John 15, 20 says this, Remember the word that I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ will be persecuted. Philippians 4, 5 through 9, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Amen? We know those things. We know that he is the one true name that we can call upon, that we can shout victory in, knowing how it turns out. The crucified, the living one, He alone is Lord over our fears. So look to Christ when we are afraid. Think of Christ. Welcome him in. We have to invite him in actively. He's not going to press upon us and force himself on us. We have to actively acknowledge and invite him in. Father, you are with us. And wherever you are, you're going to act Help us more clearly today to see you act than we could have even seen you yesterday. It's an active growth process within us. Again, those things are easier said than done, but when we look to Christ when we're afraid, 
We put Christ at the forefront of our minds. We keep him before our eyes and we call upon him. We pray to him. We believe that he is worthy to take on whatever we're facing. He's here to help. And in order to do that, sometimes we need to be reminded of the healthy community around us. Sometimes in our own minds, we can be deep in fear and not even realize that that's how we're operating. Sometimes. Sometimes we can get down the road and the decisions that we're making are based out of fear rather than on the promises that he has given us. And having healthy people and healthy community around us assist us to go, Corey, how did you come up with that idea? Where is that rooted? It sounds like a little bit of fear. Corey, can you tell me a little bit more about this? A healthy community presses in. Those small groups that you have, the community life that you live within, be open to them speaking into you. Be open to them to help point you to the Father in the midst of the storm. Once we are able to do this more fully, more consistently, then fear will grow pale and fade away. And trust me when I say that there is a freedom that comes from that. There is a great freedom that comes from that. I know that some are bound in anxiety, fear, depression, from the youngest of kiddos to the oldest of adults. But one thing that I do know for certain is that we are all broken in need of a Savior. We are all broken in need of Him. We are. God wants to be our only support and our only certainty. God allows our lives to be broken and fail in every direction. Because through that failure, God brings us back and we're thrown upon him and his mercies. That's hard to hear sometimes that God would allow hard things in our lives. But I thank him if it brings me closer to him and in a deeper understanding of who he is. I want to grow to a place where I accept that and I rejoice in that trial that brings me closer to him. God wants to show us even today that when we let go of everything, when we lose all of our own security, and we have to give it up that we can then welcome in a greater level of freedom than we've ever received before. That doesn't mean that we lose our minds, we lose our intellect, we lose our experience or training. No, we bring it all under his redeemed presence in our life. Through that redemption, we're able to more fully live out of the giftedness that he uniquely created for each of us. We don't lose our minds. We don't lose our intellect. What we do, we're able to use it for his glory rather than ours. 
so we may understand rightly the hours of affliction, the temptation, the hours of our lives are like being on the high seas in that boat. I believe very um, surely that we have to acknowledge the difficulties that are before us financially for our companies, for our jobs, for our families, for our health, for the, the amount of political unrest, nationally, internationally. We have to acknowledge the reality of the difficulties we're facing. We have to. And then praying specifically for him to join, uh, allow us to join him in the midst of those. That even despite the high seas, in him we say, we will persevere. We will persevere. That through the cross, through our faith, through our church, we are to be the counter to fear. We are. We are not to be the holders of fear or the uh, generators of fear. We are to be the counters of fear. We're to be the counters for fear. I think when we take that approach, maybe that's too cynical to say that we're always going to have hardships, but that's what Scripture says. So let's identify those and say there is great hope, great healing, and great freedom when we embrace the truth and the hope of the cross. Be of good courage. Be confident. Be certain in that truth. And share that truth with others. Allow people to see His glory shine through you because of that hope that you have within you. I only have about another hour, so I'm going to try to rush this up just a little bit here. Just kidding. Garrett said I could go as long as I want. Is that not true? I think that we disrespect the Father when we don't cling to the cross. I think we disrespect the Father when we don't cling to the cross. I think He understands when we don't. He gives His grace, showers us with His mercy when we don't. But He wants us to cling. And if you want to know how to cling more fully, to the hope and security in the cross, come find me. I'd love to share with you. Come share with a couple of us staff. Reach out. We'd love to help with that. Love to help deepen that journey. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thanks. Thanks for being here. Father, through the high storms on the high sea in each of our lives, Father, we ask that you quiet the noise, quiet the noise within us, quiet the noise around us that distracts us from focusing on you and who you uniquely created us to be with you. 
Father, we're so grateful. So grateful for how you allow us to see fear and uncertainty and to see troubles and not run the other way, but to be confident in walking with you through them for your glory, Father. Father, we are asking and we are crying out to you. Help us to see where you're moving inside of us and around us so that we can more fully join you today than we could have yesterday. Father, just bless this congregation, bless this community, the families. Help them to feel your presence more powerfully today than they could have yesterday. Father, it's in your powerful name that we pray. Amen. I'm not sure what comes next, y'all, so I never know when I come up here. So I can, I'm just going to talk for a little while and have a great week.